Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Mark is with me today, so how is it going, Mark? Hey, it's going good, thanks. I just wanted to take a second before we get started to just thank everyone that has been following the relaunch of the podcast because this is actually the first podcast we record after the relaunch of the new podcast. And so far, we already have more downloads in 2016 than we had in 2014 for the whole year. And at the time at which we're recording that, it's the very early February. So in one month, we blew up one full year of podcast downloads. Uh, so thank you for everyone that reviewed us on iTunes. Thank you for you guys to keep listening. And we're going to keep that going. Although the frequency is probably going to go down a little bit starting next month, you still have a little bit of fast-paced podcast coming your way for now. But today's topic is going to be investing and reinvesting profits. What routes to take? And that is definitely a mock topic on this one. So I'll be taking the backseat and asking questions because... He's the guy that handles a lot of the money in the business for us. I'm kind of like trying to find ways to make more money and he finds ways to, to handle it. So I'll let you get started, Mark, actually. So let's just talk about you have an online business, you make some profit, there is some money that come in. And, you know, most people will just take it and pay themselves and essentially replace their salaries. But like, is that what you should do? Okay. Well, I mean, that's sort of akin to asking how long is a piece of string when you say right. it's just... There's many different options here, and, and I'll go through the sort of four basic ways to think about this at least. I'm, I'm not going to tell you, each person listening to this has to decide what's best in their situation. There's many things to consider, but I'll go through the four main things here. So, the first thing to do is when, first of all, you need to start making money, which hopefully, if you're an Authority Hacker Pro member and you've been listening to us, you've been working hard for a while, you're already doing that. If not, then stop listening to this podcast now and go listen to other ones about how to make money. You don't need to waste your time learning what to do with it until you've actually made it or you're starting to make some. And some there goes our amazing download curve for the podcast. <laughs> Okay, so if you're still with us, you're making some money and uh, you want to know what to do with it. The first thing to consider, and I know it sounds a bit sort of like something your mother would say, because it actually is something my mother told me, is save it. And I'm talking about your company saves it. So I, I assume, I mean, most people doing this will be operating corporate entity, a limited company, an LLC, something like that. So once you start making some money, you want to build up a bit of cash reserves. I don't know, call this a rainy day fund or something. But an ideal situation is that you have enough cash to support your business for six months when you're making if for the next six months you make zero profit. So you know Does that include paying yourself? Yeah. Yeah. If okay. you are paying yourself, then include that. So and the reason for this is because in many industries, including this one, things can change a lot. Google can roll out some update or one of your big advertisers can go out of business or you know something like that can, can easily happen. So make sure that you, you have sort of six months running costs saved up. Now 
this is one of the reasons why you, and I'll get into this in, in a little bit later, but why you want to be careful about racking up too many costs, especially too many recurring costs or unnecessary costs yeah, in your business, because this figure can then quickly skyrocket. As soon as you start adding expensive offices and full-time staff and, and all that to it, you really start having quite a high sort of monthly run rate. When we had the agency, like how much was that six months figure? Okay, so I never actually told you this, but in the uh, yeah, agency, that's there was about there was maybe I don't think we had, we never had six months. We never built six months. For most of it, we had about between one and two months of of yeah. spare cash, <laughs> which is so pretty do what bad. I say, not what I do. Which is pretty bad. Now the situation's a lot better, though. So um, yeah, we're good on that front. <laughs> but yeah, this is. I mean. It's a. It wasn't really a mistake. It was just we never really. We had too high costs for what we were making. Yeah. Okay. So okay, six months. It's still quite a lot of time. And just to elaborate on what what we we're just talking about is that we ran an agency for four years without doing that. So it's possible. You don't need to do this. It's just a good sort of principle to have in the back of your mind that you, you don't really need to. Or you shouldn't really worry too much about about what to do until you've to until you've built this up or at least it's something you should always be sort of trying to do over the first couple of years build up this sort of fund and also with that make sure you take into account any future tax bills you have to pay and keep that all separate it's just basic sort of accounting practice there so let's assume you have that and you you're still making some more money then what do you do with that so the three options are basically reinvest it in the business withdraw it and invest it personally or spend the money uh, personally. So I'll go through each of those now. And the first one, it would be reinvesting in the business. So you make a profit and then you spend that profit as a business on something. The idea here is that you grow future revenue and you also grow the value of your company in in the long run so you spend money to make money really yeah so if you resell it like you get this money back it's like investing in real estate or something everything you do with money or that you make is an investment of sorts even if you spend it that's an investment yeah, fair enough. it's a shitty investment usually um, <laughs> no not always but if you buy a bag of, if you buy a bag of sweet it's a pretty shitty investment sure <laughs> i actually cover like, you know the the good and bad ways to spend cool. your, your your money, but I'm gonna feel terrible. Anything, anything that you, any money you make, as a business or as a person, you know, anything you spend, think of it as an investment. What's it gonna get you for that? And when you're reinvesting in your business, it can really lead to you know a lot more money further down the line, either in valuation or in future profit. Good examples of this are if you're running an authority site. And why not like hire people to automate it and then start another authority site or start two more or in, indeed reinvest all the money in your current site and just grow it to be 10 times the size. Yeah, more content. Yeah. So, yeah, you only the, the key thing here is you, you need to be quite careful about if, whether or not something's going to move the needle. And by that, I mean, is it really going to make a big difference to what you're doing? And something I've noticed with a lot of people in this industry is they spend a lot of time on doing things which don't really move the needle. Yeah. So when you just start a website and you have 500 visitors a month and you're making 
20 bucks a month. Then you woke up site speed. And spend <laughs> a week improving your site speed 30%. That's not moving the needle. That's going to make money. zero money. Yeah, zero it's, zero it's something that we see a lot with a lot of people. Like, I see so many people in the Facebook groups and so on. They're like, oh my God, my site speed is only 84 on the Google thing. It's not like, it's, it's still really good at 84, by the way. And they just like spend two weeks improving the site speed, buy expensive tools and pay for a CDN monthly, which increases their six months running cost and so on. While all the while making like 50 bucks a month, it's like, what the hell are you thinking? Like only worry about these kind of things when you're in the five figures plus per month, you know, don't worry about this stuff. Yeah, I think the reason why people do this is because it's quite easy. Anything that's, that's very easily measurable and provides like a quick response to any action taken yeah. seems to be preferred. So if you spend a week working on your site speeds, invest in all these tools or whatever to, to do it, then you can, at the end of that week, you can measure your site speed immediately and say, okay, you know, that's improved. Cool. And it feels like you've made progress. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you invest in, if you spend $10,000 on new content, then you know you need to upload it anyways. First of all, well, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's not likely. I mean, it depends on your your, your say, but it's not likely that's going to provide you with a return for maybe even like one or two or even three years. Yeah, I think also it's like I mean I'm blaming online marketing blogs for that as well. It's like you know it makes such a nicer case study to show how you increase your site speed. And, yep. you know, first of all, you can make good affiliate commissions. And second of all, you can show all these fancy graphs and stuff. And you can put these case studies really quickly together. Whereas, like, this kind of common investment stuff, which is really what brings the money, it takes forever. And usually when you do it, you don't really want to tell people because you don't want them to copy you. And so because of that, you know, there are way more side speed and, you know, these kind of, like, quick wins. And it kind of, like, it's instant reward. Like, like they talk about on Wade.Y, like the, the instant gratification monkey thing. Yeah. It's like it's this. And so people share it more and talk about it more. And they're like, oh, my God, I can just do something in two hours and we'll do better, etc." And I really feel that all the, the stuff that makes money in this business is actually pretty boring. Like formatting content and editing it and fixing the way you angle your, your presentation of your product, and stuff, which is really, really, really not glamorous. And I try to write a little bit about Ontario Hacker, but when we do... You know, it's like we definitely get like ten, like five times less shares than if I write about ten ways to speed your site up. And, yeah. and it's like, and basically, this is the trap that most people fall in, especially most people that don't make money from it. Actually, okay. So when you're gonna spend money on content, and this is a good example, is if you look back at any content you've done over the last year or something, how do you attribute how much money? one piece of content has made. There are some metrics you can look at. If you're running ads on the page, it's, you can see how much that's made. But unless you have the world's most sophisticated tracking system, which nobody does, it's very unlikely that you're going to know exactly how much that one piece of content has generated when it comes to all the email subscribers or getting to more sort of theoretical, like when it's like the branding and how people are exposed to your name and that kind of stuff. You, you can't measure all that. It's just this thing that, you know, you sort of do it enough and all these factors sort of start to multiply and have a strong effect. And 
when you look at it in one single piece of content, it's very hard to say, but it's very easy for us when we look back at Dordiac or there'd be like, oh, oh sorry, that health ambition, there'd be like three months when we were just doing like a lot of content. And some of it wasn't even that good or, you know, it wasn't that keyword focused or we made mistakes in that, but we did a lot. And there's there's definite sort of trends you can see further down the line. And like, it's kind of like three months later, but yeah. We had this sort of like peak of traffic or suddenly like, our Amazon revenue went went all up, or that kind of thing. So yeah, like think about what you're going to do to move. The main things are content, producing more content, growing your audience somehow. So that's marketing your content, spending money on advertising, or doing things like guest posting. If you read the guest posting blueprint, that's a pretty good way to go about it. Improving your conversion optimization. Again, you got to be very careful with this one, though. If you're making like five sales a week. You probably don't want to be doing a CRO analysis, and, and you can't anyway. Yeah, like. yeah. But if you're making you know, like uh, a thousand sales a week, then improving that ten percent is going to make a big difference, you know. And also growing your team. So this is not like growing it so that you can sit and drink cocktails on the beach. It's growing it so you, who I would think that you as a business owner are like the most valuable person. Your time is the most valuable person in your business. You have more time to actually spend on your business or grow your site or launch other sites, that, that kind of stuff. So that's where you want to focus reinvestment. Where you don't want to focus reinvestment, and I see this all the time, as soon as start, people start making a good amount of money, they suddenly think that it's Christmas, especially if they've never had much money before. They suddenly think it's Christmas and they can just go crazy. So, you know, we've done that before. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most people who have ran a business will, will kind of know what I'm talking about here. So, the, the things to avoid here are unnecessary hardware. So, I remember back when we had our agency, we had, I think it was about, uh, 10 or 15 people in the office at at this point. Yeah. And we needed to buy a lot of computers. So we bought desktop computers which had we were like, "Oh, let's get them all with graphics cards so we can play <laughs> games after work." And nobody played games like I don't one think person anyone, did. Yeah, one I person think, did, I think. Yeah. And we bought like these Logitech G series keyboards with the macro keys on the left hand side that I was like, all right, people can be more efficient with those. I actually use them myself. Yeah, they don't. Nobody else did. We're like, oh, let's get gaming mice because they're more comfortable. Like, again, these things don't really matter so much. What I would say does make a difference is getting someone 24 inch monitor versus or two an monitors. Yeah, or two monitors. That's actually been proven pretty conclusively to that screen space improves efficiency or productivity. So focus focus your efforts uh, efforts there. Unnecessary hires, so hiring people you don't need at the moment or hiring people in expectation of needing them in the future. I think we can talk about this gross prediction just before Google Penguin actually. Yes. So we were making I can't even remember how much it was like it was really high five figures the five figures though at one point and we had almost a hundred clients doing SEO and then this Google was it Penguin or Panda the first it was one? I mean it was Penguin that really killed us yeah 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 you're right so the first 
Penguin update came on, and we we're doing this sort of gray hat SEO for all our clients, and and it's just you know every almost every client just got like penalty uh, notices and all the rankings tanked, and it was just like oh yeah, just it, before yeah, just we had, before we had, yeah we had just moved into this huge office, very expensive, signed a two year lease. Spent all this money on some fancy business internet line and new computers, um, new computers. Hired a bunch of new staff, and suddenly we didn't really need most of that. And I was like, "Ah, oh, shit!" You know, this is a bit. <laughs> this is a bit annoying. Uh, well, more than a bit annoying. But yeah, I mean, be careful about that. And this is another reason why, if you listen to our podcast about about hiring and outsourcing, you'll hear that we were very much in favor of the sort of freelance model these days because it just gives you a lot of flexibility in those situations not that we haven't experienced any sort of dramatic downshift in in things since we've started the authority site model i think that's a lot more stable the way we're approaching it now but yeah something to be aware of and the, the final thing here is just because you have money doesn't mean you need to show off and ex- like sh- buy things which don't contribute towards like the value of your uh, the value proposition of your company or the ability to to make make money. I have a feeling you think about some people we know right now. So I mean, oh, I mean, there's, there's dozens, <laughs> dozens of examples I could go through here, but just think of it like: Do you really need to buy that two thousand dollar couch in your office or the five thousand dollar coffee machine that has Wi Fi? You know, probably not. So. Yeah, just just bear those that those things in mind. Yeah, keep costs low and just uh, like I mean, you're better off just giving cash to your employees and be happier even if the office is shitty. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like if if all yeah. this crazy startup thing it works because these startups have a lot of funding usually, and you know that's what we see on TV, right? Yeah, Sorry. like you, you see the Google office in Zurich, Switzerland. They have meeting rooms in like gondola cars, which are in your office. You don't need to do that as a startup. Yeah. Google do that because they make billions of dollars a year, and it's like it makes it into the news and it get it publicized. Yeah. yeah, it's PR. You don't need to do PR right now, unless you are working for a billion dollar startup. As you're listening to this, yeah. in which case, go right ahead and send us some photos. We'll be we'll be happy to come check it out. Yeah. Um, okay. So the key thing is find the sweet spot between getting value for the money you spend. And that contributing towards you being able to make more money or grow the value of your, your 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 company, it can be in the long term. So you don't need to make a return on this investment within like a year or even two years. Sometimes it can be further down the line. Just keep in mind that you need to you need everything you're doing needs reinvesting needs to be moving the needle. And if it's not, it's probably a waste of money. If you're running a business for the first time, you definitely make mistakes here. But that's fine. Just try and learn from those when you can and come back and listen to this in two or three years' time. Yeah. And uh, you'll probably say, oh, shit, I did all those things wrong. I was actually thinking about it. It's like uh, education in Europe is much cheaper than in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that essentially the cost of these mistakes is the cost of a student loan for most, most people, you know? Yeah, and it's just a different way of learning. But you, you should compare the cost of these mistakes because they are like thousands of dollars every time, especially when you mishire and overhire, et cetera. Uh, yeah, to like a student loan that you would pay for for business school, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, when we just on the hiring point, I mean, Gail and I sat down once and actually kind of worked out how much money we wasted on hiring people that didn't work out. 
And was it like $150,000 or something? I was way more than that. It's like, it was like 250 or something. Right. Well, it was a ludicrous figure. Uh, in, insane. Um, so it was a very expensive lesson there. Okay, cool. So we talked about reinvesting in your business, what to do, what not to do. Let's talk about taking money out of your business and then what to do with it there. Okay. So first of all, when you take money out of your business, you're going to get taxed on it. So you're going to have to pay... I mean, it depends on the country, but you you probably already pay corporation tax on your profit in most cases. And then you're going to have to pay some kind of personal income tax on any dividends or, or salary you're, you're taking out in the company. So after you've done that, you then have two options, spend it or invest it yourself. If you're spending it yourself, bear in mind, just because I said in the previous section, like, oh, you need to only spend money if you're going to move the needle and stuff. Like you can spend money on yourself. Like you you can and you should have a nice life and have a good time. Like don't feel you you need to live in your mom's basement for 6 years or anything like that. So I can get out now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's absolutely okay to spend money on yourself. You just need to be apply sort of similar logic to it and like think about what you're actually doing here, not just spend money because you have it. So figure a lot of this comes down to personal budgeting. Like, figure out what you need to live comfortably on, like how much money a month you need, and don't be too conservative with that. Like, if you're the type of person that likes to go out and party at the weekends or go on some city breaks and this kind of stuff. I have a question. Like, at your height, how much was your partying budget monthly? Well, actually, not that much because really, we Budapest. Yeah, I mean, let's let's just work this out. So. If I, I say the most would be three nights a week times four, so that's 12 nights a week times, what do you spend, like maybe 15,000? Yeah, forex, not dollars, guys. So that's 100. Not so much, yeah. 180,000 forex in US dollars. What's that? Like it's not that much, it's like $648. Okay, well, for most people it's not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we live somewhere very cheap, so it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's like, I think it's just an example of like, hey, if you want to enjoy your life, you can, you know, and that's why I asked the question. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's like, you didn't hesitate. Like, and you know, the $650 here, that would be the equivalent of like over three grand in the US, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, of partying. So, like, that shows like, even though we're quite conservative on business plans, you only have one life, at least I think, and you should definitely enjoy it, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, with, with spending, you, you want to get the basics, like the sort of thing of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You want to get your own place somewhere nice to work and your whole sort of surrounding set up quite nicely. So if you don't have that much money, rent an apartment, obviously. Make sure you have somewhere nice to work. Co-working spaces are quite affordable or you've got a two-bedroom apartment and work in your second, second room is what I do. Things like hiring a cleaner, most not that like a lot of people I know are a bit averse to this. It's more for like a psychological reason than anything. But it, it and again, this depends how much it costs to hire a cleaner where you are. If you're living in Asia or you're living in Eastern Europe, it's like a few bucks an hour to hire someone. And my time is certainly way more than that. So like why would I bother cleaning? Yeah, I think it's also like keeping your life kind of like motivating all these things, you know, all these kind of like services that you can pay for. Um, yeah, it's like fully motivated to wake up and know you won't have to clean that all stuff, and kind of like keeping these these little pains of daily life away 
is a motivation to keep things going and making money. Yeah, for so, sure. So I think it's cool, actually. It's like, I mean, personally, I spend on like a cook and a private trainer. And it's like, I would hate to lose that. So that kind of motivates me to keep working. And also just like, it feels awesome to like be taken care of, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, these are the good, very good examples of things that are worth worth investing in because they save you a lot of time. Or in the case of a personal trainer, they actually, when you're fit and healthy, you're actually able to work better and you're more focused. You can sleep better at night. There's just so many benefits to, to staying healthy. So, you know, it's, it's totally worth it. And, you know, gym memberships are not that expensive wherever you live. Yep. So even when I was a poor student, I always had a gym membership. So I would always, always go for that. But the thing is, like, don't waste your money for a start. Remember, like, your profits can go up and down. So when times are good, that's not an inclination that, oh, you should be spending lots of money. That's the point when you should be saving lots of money. And this is a classic, I think, like, New York lawyer situation, at least from what I've heard, is that, like, when things are on the up and up, lawyers can make really, like, a lot of money. And that's when they move into the super expensive apartments on the Upper East Side and all this stuff. So, and then when things go down, suddenly they have all these expensive bills and things to maintain and they, they can't afford it. So that's not really the way to think about it. I'm not a multimillionaire by any means. I'm not, even a, million, I'm not even a millionaire, but yet. But I'd like to think that even when that happens, I'm not going to be an idiot with my, my money. And I, I see so many people just like doing stupid things. And it's... Give us an example. <laughs> All right, so a mate of ours, he spent $50,000 on a domain name, <laughs> which is his surname.com. And I mean, yeah. yeah $50,000, we can build two house ambitions. He, he had an idea. I mean, he's doing something with the site, sure. But I mean, he could literally have just bought a $10 domain name and achieved the same thing. Like, there, there's no reason to do it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, just just spending on this kind of stuff. It's like kind of like ego stuff, and uh, you know things that you could do for a little cheaper, but you, you kind of want to you know make it perfect. And going from ninety percent perfect to one hundred percent perfect, like multiplies the cost by one hundred. You know? Yeah. It's, it's I mean, nice. like most people who are rich, of course, they need to make a lot of money. But they're rich because they do they use their money wisely and then they invest that money to make more money, not because they you know make so much money and then they can spend whatever they, they like kind of thing. Really? Like, That's what I believe listening to Donald Trump the other day. But. Yeah. No, no, I mean <laughs> I mean guys like Warren Buffett and stuff, you know, the richest people in the world, they sure they make a lot of money. But they're also smart with it and they don't lose that much money. Yeah. And they don't waste that much money. So consider that as well. And like a few good examples of this are like things that people often associate with like doing reasonably well and like going on expensive vacations. Flying first class? Yeah, flying business class, first class. Like honestly, like you really don't need to do that. Premium economy, long haul is great. I'm six foot six, or six foot four, sorry. And absolutely fine for me. There's not really much need to to fly first class or business class. Use your frequent flyer miles to do that by all means. But like paying for it, eh. sure. You know, if you're if you're making a million dollars a year personally, then 
it may be worth it if you're taking a couple trips. But you don't need to spend money on that kind of thing early on. And using Airbnb instead of hotels, going to cheaper places like go have a vacation in Thailand or Vietnam rather than, I don't know. Maldives? The Maldives or Seychelles or Bora Bora or somewhere like that. You know? Hawaii, yeah. Yeah. And just think if you had a normal salary job and you were making... I don't know, three, four, five thousand dollars a month, like uh, assuming you're living in Western Europe or US and like that, then would you really spend the money on this or would you be a bit smarter with it? it just ask yourself that w- whenever you're doing something and you know, you'll, you'll probably get the right answer. Just to be clear, I'm not saying like be a cheapskate here by any means. I'm just saying like be smart with your money. Okay, one, one little travel tip actually is like in most airports you can actually pay like twenty bucks or thirty bucks to to actually get in the first class lounge and like drink as many free drinks as you want, use the Wi-Fi, do business, whatever you, you you're doing. So like a lot of these perks are not actually that that amazing, you know. Okay, let's talk about investing the money because we talked about like lifestyle, etc. Okay, and last thing on spending money though is. Cars and watches, you don't need those. You, sorry, but like you don't need a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, or you don't need a Rolex watch. That's just a waste of money. But you need a bookshelf like this guy on YouTube, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So final point, investing money yourself. And this could be a whole uh, episode on its own. But just at a, at a principle, like think of it this way. Your business model as it is now will likely not exist in 20 to 30 years time. So if you look back 20 to 30 years, like what happened in 1986, how, involved, many, how, many, how many authority sites were there in 1986? None. So do you think that how many authority sites would there be in 2046? I mean, who knows? Maybe it's not that bad of a, an industry. It's a bit of a weird uh, analogy because if you look at how many phones there were and how many phones there is now, it's like... Sure. I'm just sort of illustrating the point that things can and do change. Business models can and do change. Jobs, roles, everything is is, is up for change. So don't assume that you're just going to build a business in a few years and just sort of do that exact same thing for the rest of your life. You can and there are companies that are hundreds of years old and you you can adapt and, and all that. But just just bear in mind that you should diversify your income sources or your assets. I think a good example for this is McDonald's, actually. So McDonald's sales are dropping dramatically right now. Yeah. And, and they're making, and like McDonald's is like, it was the business case for like 30 years. And they would say, look at McDonald's. And it's like, my uh, business management teacher was like, yeah, if you want to write any essay, just quote McDonald's and you'd be okay, you know? And, and actually now, because of, you know, the healthy food consciousness and people understanding that, Eating crap will really destroy the end of their lives and so on. Yeah, McDonald's has to to completely reshape what they're doing, and their sales are dropping a lot right now. And and that is a good example of something that was a show value not very long ago, and now is something that I would probably not put money on. You know. Yeah. So the things to consider here are that you need to when you take money out of your business, don't just put it in your current account. Like, do something with that that's going to generate you a return and that you can then use that, leverage those assets in the future. So, there's a few good resources that I want to recommend. Uh, one is a book called The Wealthy Barber. 
Which we talked about in a previous podcast. So. Yeah, in the, the Favorite Books podcast, we talked about that. And there's another, there's a podcast, it's called The Investor's Podcast. It's about value investing and investing in the stock market. And then there's a book called Street Smarts by one of my favorite authors, Jim Rogers. It's about sort of how to think about life and money and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, three very good resources What there. if you don't read these books? So, what do I get out of it? The main principles are when you're investing, you want to try and aim for something like a 6 to 10% annual rate of return. Uh, 10% is quite high, 6% is quite achievable. So, so somewhere in the middle is probably about normal. And the things to, to look at, there's many, many ways to invest your money. You know, you can invest in the stock market. You can invest in property, in real estate. You can invest in sort of alternative means like, uh, you know, startups or kind of like microloans and Bitcoin, you know, these new kind of things, although they're, they're a lot more risky. But stick to, stick to what's true and tested. And the thing with the investing is that most people think of it as like a, you have to be a day trader, you have to know what you're doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. You don't really. If you take a long-term view on things, I'm not going to say it's going to go up, but like, and if you invest in the right thing, you're, you're going to do okay. Investing is not about finding the next Apple before it's the next Apple. I'm talking about the the, the computer company. Yeah, you know, uh, exactly. I guess. <laughs> but it's about finding things which are underpriced and you think are worth more. So, good example is oil. Right now, so, um, yeah. right now, the oil price is really low. Oil company shares, BP, Shell, diesel, they're really, really low, and I think they're undervalued because. The oil price is gonna go back up again. It always there's a, it's like a boom bust cycle that it goes through every sort of every few years. It wasn't just a few years ago people were talking about oh oil's gonna hit two hundred dollars a barrel yada yada yada. Now people are like oh it's gonna go as low as twenty dollars a barrel. Da, yeah. da, da. As soon as you start hearing like all these people complain or like hype things up in CNBC or in newspapers and stuff, that's probably when the bubble's about to burst or when things are, are about to turn around. So that's a really like quick example. And don't go out there and buy a bunch of oil stocks right now. How do you manage risk though? Like this is like I'm busy building my authority sets. Like I don't really have time to follow all that stuff. Like. Yeah. So there's there's a, two different ways. Well, first you want to diversify your portfolio as much as possible. So if you invest ten percent of it in oil, then invest you know ten percent of it in like something completely different. So that if one industry tanks, then okay, it's it's a loss, but you overall things should balance out and you should generate like a, a nice return. So diversification is key. You can also use like uh, mutual funds. So rather than investing in one company. Which could a company could go like Enron could go bankrupt because of like some bad stuff was going on. Invest in a fund, and a fund is basically you will buy a share of that fund, and that that fund will then invest the money in you know hundreds or dozens of different companies, so that they spread the risk that way. And funds can be mismanaged and stuff, but that's much 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 rarer that that, that happens. So it's a good way to diversify. Uh, early on, a lot of this is covered in the Wealthy Barber, by the way, and in the the Investors Podcast. So if you if it's something you're looking at, we'll yeah, yeah. So think long term. Hold on to your money for five, ten years in these things. You know, you don't need to get out in six months. Don't invest in startups. So 
of Silicon Valley, once you have a billion dollars from an exit, then by all means go invest in some startups. But it's not the way to make money. Very few people got rich off of investing in startups. Of course, you'll hear stories about people who put a thousand dollars in and made a million dollars, but that, that's like one in a million. You know, yeah, you keep hearing the same stories. There's a reason for that, you know. Yeah, and yeah, don't worry about getting in on the the next big big thing either, because you know that's, that's again, you need to you need to be a very active investor to do that. And being a passive investor and just sort of like thinking long term, living off of dividends and you know small gains is is where it's at really. But do your research properly and before you get involved in this. But it's not actually that difficult. Once you have a, I mean, most banks will have a share dealing interface in their online banking that you have to sort of sign up for. And once you sort of get verified in there, it's really easy to trade. It's just like buying something off Amazon. It's just simple. The next thing is uh, real estate. So a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in real estate. That's true in most places. Um, but you can uh, normally quite easily get a mortgage if you put down a sizable deposit. If you're going in there with a 20-30% deposit and you've been running your business for three years, then it should be very, very easy to get a mortgage on a property, like so easy. If you can only front 10% deposit, then it would be a bit more difficult. But buying your own home is is huge because basically all the money you pay on rent, you're just paying off someone else's mortgage. Like I've lived in this apartment I'm in right now for four and a half years. And uh, I think I've paid something like 30%, 35% of the guy's mortgage. Good job. Yeah. So and, I could have. You're now giving financial advice. Mm. <laughs> don't do what I say. Don't do what I say. Do, don't do what I do. Do what I say. <laughs> But we love these things the hard way. I just want to. It's crazy. I, I'm looking to buy a place right now, actually. But it's like it's crazy to think, you know, if you're just how much money you're just throwing away. Whereas if you're paying off your mortgage each month, which would be roughly the same as your rent, then you're okay. Sure, you have that monthly expenditure, but you then own the place at the end, and you can sell. Yeah, it. even so, if you can finish, you can just resell it before you. Like if you only get out, you just resell it and still get basically the money back for the rents you pay. You know. Exactly. So you're much, much, much better off in the, in the vast majority of cases buying. There are, are some situations when rent's better. Again, this is covered quite well in The Wealthy Barber. So I recommend you pick up that book. And the final thing is there's a lot of sort of weird and wonderful new investment options. Things like Bitcoin. I know a lot of people that got in on that just because it, it became popular. And again, it's one of these things that as soon as it starts appearing in all the newspapers that, oh yeah, Bitcoin's going up, Bitcoin, 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 that's when you know there's a bubble. Uh, yeah. So stay, stay clear of it then. All these people that bought it for $700 of Bitcoin, like, I'm sorry, but you're an idiot. <laughs> and there goes our download curve. Yeah. I hold some Bitcoin right now. I bought them at like $200 or something. And I think that and I'm planning on keeping them for five or ten years and see what happens. It's not like a again, it's not like a short term investment for me. Not very much, by the way. I think I have like three bitcoins or something. And then there's another one which I, I've been exploring quite a lot lately, and this is peer to peer lending. This is a concept which is is good because it's kind of uh, it's 
it, it's quite tried and tested already. The premise is basically it's like a peer-to-peer system where a bunch of people who have money lend small amounts to a bunch of people who want money for stuff. And you're not it's not as if you're lending like let's say you invest a thousand dollars, you're not gonna give that all to one person. You can split that up amongst, you know, a hundred people. So each loan, you're diversifying your risk here. Some of the loans will go bad, but you can make like, you know, seven, eight percent on these quite easily. And they have especially in the US, there's a lot of sites that do this. Um I use Funding Circle, which is a UK based one. Is that basically a way for individuals to offer payday loans? No. Okay. It's not a payday loan. It's usually, there has to be like a business case for it. So it's usually you learn, lend it to a business okay. and they'll maybe like have been running a successful business for four years and want to like open a new restaurant or open a new, I don't know, shop or whatever. Like it's usually expansion or it's something to do with property investment. And the good thing about property investment is when you take a loan, you can often, people will often secure the loan against the property so that the default on the loan, you can still get some recovery out of the, the property. And the, the, the platforms which handle all of this, they deal with all of that. So I've had like three loans go bad in the last year, which was like a very small percentage of the, the number. And there's been like, I think I got like half of the, that back in recoveries. So, and the, the estimated return after all the bad debts and stuff was, I think, 7% for last year, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So it sure beats keeping your money in the bank anyway, sure. uh, which isn't doing anyone any any favors. So I can agree with that. Okay, so that's pretty much it. That's quite a long one, but yeah, uh, yeah. That, that was a very long one. It's like it's not directly related to authority sites because essentially you can do that with any profit. But a lot of people start making money with their sites and they don't know what to do with it and how to split it up, etc. Which is something that Mark and I have been thinking about a lot lately. Because we're doing pretty well lately. And that's basically it. So I hope this was helpful to you guys. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training. 